Welcome to the Keep Rising podcast, hosted by Project Still I Rise Incorporated. Project Still I Rise is a community-based nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering today's youth for tomorrow's opportunities. This podcast is dedicated to education, empowerment, and inspiration on behalf of young people and communities across the nation. All right, welcome back to another segment of Keep Rising, powered by Project Still Rise. Once again, I'm your host, Nick Howard, and uh, it's another another segment that we get to have here talking about how to support and advocate for student success with no other than Mr. Stephen Poole himself, a great uh, a great advocate in the community, highly respected in the community of Dallas. And, uh, Mr. Stephen, if you don't mind, uh, just going to get right to it. Tell us about yourself and uh, what, what do you do and uh, what's your career? Okay. Um, first of all, I was raised here in Dallas, Texas. Um, my career actually started as a um, juvenile officer in Dallas as far as profession. When I was in college, I actually worked at a nonprofit, for-profit um, residential treatment center. Um, I worked at Riverside General Hospital in Houston, which was actually a Black-owned hospital. And I used to do what was called Rainbow Days, which was a self-esteem program in the 90s, kind of similar to what they do now um in relations not necessarily parallel but in relation to uh, SELs um for students today um my career went from working nonprofit for profit working um in the juvenile detention uh juvenile setting at risk to going towards education um I've been a classroom teacher I've taught elementary junior high school and high school I have been a science and or social studies teacher at one or both times in my life um, I've been a campus administrator for a charter school and now I'm a specialist um, for a, a, another uh, suburban district so that's kind of me in a nutshell as far as education I'm a father of two I have a son and a daughter um, uh, great uh, assets to society. You know, they're typical millennials. They have their own way of looking at things. They're headstrong, but they're very um, outgoing as far as their development and what they have planned for themselves in life. That's the, that's the best way it can be. Like, you know, we can train our way, uh, train our children up the, the right way, but yeah. every man has to have their, you know, own say-so at the end of the day. True. Um, True. Yes, sir. That's uh, it's great to hear all the experience that you got. Uh, just uh, this is my first time meeting him, y'all. So it's it's great to to you know uh, just hear like all all the work that he's done just to give back to the community and just to see the kids like my age and and younger just to be able to have an opportunity to make something for themselves. Uh, how did you get involved with uh, education advocacy? Well, it it wasn't intentional. It was. Um, in reference to the advocacy aspect of it, it was more or less from the parental aspect. Mm -hmm. My son was in the sixth grade at um, Adele Turner Elementary School, and it was the last year that Dallas ISD was having sixth grade connected to elementary, and they were transitioning the sixth grade to uh, middle school or junior high school in some areas. Um, what I was looking at was what direction was Dallas ISD, which is the second largest district in the state, one of the largest in the country, um, what direction are they going when it comes to our kids? Um, it's primarily African-American kids, because at that time um, at Adele Turner, the boys at Adele Turner were outscoring the girls in state standardized testing, 
hands down, which in some aspects, people look at that as un, unheard of. Mm-hmm. Look at data today, they say that, or, or and then too, African-American boys at the bottom of, of every area of content when it comes to math, reading, science, um, and education. So I was trying to figure out what our next move would be for, for my son as he went on to junior high school. So we looked at an academy, you know, in the community, and I wanted him to go to the high school in our neighborhood, which was my alma mater, Carter High School. But I was looking at the data, and like I tell parents all the time, don't go on just banners that you see hanging. Um, TEA has, called, has this thing called a taper report, and the taper report is the layout of the performance for every school based on all demographics and test scores. So I looked at the tape report and what was amazing to me was that the school had dropped, but I also realized that it was about performance of the administration, um, some of the teachers, um, the lack of investment by the district. And the way I found these things out was I started going to board meetings and um, all of this was just me being a person trying to figure out what would be the best avenue uh, for my son as far as uh, school was concerned. Because by the time he matriculated through junior high school, we started looking at high schools. And his mother and I were big on education, um, but we were young parents. So we, you know, we had an idea what we wanted for him, but we knew what we didn't want for him. Um, we butted heads, but what we realized was that my son is actually a tall kid in comparison to his daddy. I'm like five nine, he's like six two, six three. So he played <laughs> sports. Yeah. We tried to find the best fit for him academically and athletically. And my problem was, why is it that these combinations aren't given to our students, as far as African American students in their own community? Yeah. So. Um, that's kind of what got the ball rolling for me. It wasn't intentional. It just happened to be that way. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely like that um, in like the own community, like in Dallas and in Fort Worth. It's, it's, it's more prominent in suburbs where, you know, it's a good athletic and a good academic school, but it's kind of hard to find it in Dallas or in Fort Worth. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely can relate to that in that, in that aspect. Um, why is it important for parents to know how to advocate for their children's success in schools? Well, the, the main reason why it's important for a parent to understand how to advocate is so that they know what to ask for mm-hmm. um, and to know what's not being offered. Um, parents need to understand that there are different policies and procedures that are in place that a lot of parents don't know, like Dallas ISD parents, most of them don't know that you can email a teacher or email a principal, but there are actually um, degrees and a form that you can actually fill out that's called a complaint form. A lot of times um, you think that while I'm sending this letter, why isn't it getting the, the kind of push that I thought it should get? Well, that's just because that principal is like, well, I'm gonna address the letter, but I really don't have to look at it you know, as in depth as if it came attached to that complaint form. Advocating for your child is so important because in some instances, a lot of people believe if I move my child to another community, that's a better situation. Well, that puts different stresses on your kids. You know, you put them in an environment where they're with children that they didn't grow up with. You put them in areas that culturally may not be, you know, receptive to them or they may not be comfortable with. So you advocate so that where you live 
is su sufficient so that your child can have the same things that they would get anywhere else in their home community. And you advocate by making sure that you go to the PTSA meetings, you become a part of the PTSA, the site base. These things are mandated by school districts. And those two components alone should give you information. But you also advocate by watching board meetings, which is just once a month. So you have some clarity as to what that school district is doing in reference to the schools in your area and the district as a whole. You do those few things, you become very knowledgeable. And then you learn by reading, once again, the taper report, which is you know, on a TEA report. And once you have those insights, the common understanding of just how to move in certain situations when it comes to education becomes an everyday thing for you. Definitely. There's a, there's a lot of knowledge for me. There's a, a lot more for me to understand. You know, it's just, um, and it's, it goes back to the saying, you don't know what you don't know. So okay. you know, just, you just got to, for parents, we just got to take that, that first step forward in order if you want to see your kids be great in whatever they do, especially with the education, uh, you got to make that change by you by putting that first foot forward because they're going to follow you. Absolutely. Uh, should, the, should the greater community play a bigger role with the school and education advocacy? Yeah, it should. Um, what's supposed to happen is when you elect a uh, trustee from your community, or board representative, whatever term they choose to use. The voice of the people in the community is what's supposed to be heard. But what you see a lot of times in a lot of districts that have single, di single district districts, which means like Dallas has, where different board members represent different areas. Sometimes those people are in place um, and they ran saying that they were going to do certain things, but then they have their arterial motives or they have people behind the scenes that are actually pulling strings. The reason why it's imperative that a community voice is heard and that they speak up is because if you're not saying anything, whatever they choose to do is what the district chooses to do. Yeah. I explain to people a lot of times, most of the time board trustees only know what the district is telling them. And what I mean by that is a lot of times, most of your trustees aren't educators yeah. or really don't understand educational data. Neither do the community. But what happens is administrators, central staff administrators, they give them data. Now, it's not terrible data, but it's data based on the information they want them to see. And the person in the community, a lot of times, you may have a better eye at something than your trustee. So it's important that you take the time and you view these board meetings or you look at the board agenda and you have clarity about what's really going on in your school district and in the area that your child goes to school, specifically in your community. And you have full engagement and you make sure that from time to time you write your board trustee or you have a sit down with a community meeting with your board trustee so you can understand the thought process of the person who's representing you. And also your voice can be heard through that person or what you're going down to the board meetings and your voice being heard that way. Yeah. A lot of times African-Americans don't do that. So therefore they wonder why things are left out in our communities because we don't take the time to actually speak on the things we think should be done or things we know should be done as far as equity and um, whatever else in our communities. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, it's like we can, uh, you know, when, you know, we have a lot of successful African-Americans in the sports world and we have a whole community behind it. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I think we could do the same thing if, we just, you know, if we have that want to within the, you know, 
within a community and uh, it takes a, it's just like the old saying how it goes uh, it takes a village uh, or community Absolutely. as a kid so I think if we had that same one factor of a uh, of uh, having a community behind that special athlete in the African-American community I think we could do it for a lot of our kids in the African-American community because um, everybody has a chance an opportunity to, to be great at education so true absolutely so uh, right now, we're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about some practical steps that parents in the community can do just to, you know, see more success in their ch- uh, child's education, and we'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Project Still Our Rise, home of the National Youth Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber is dedicated to youth entrepreneurship success through the facilitation of education and access. For additional information on the National Youth Chamber, please visit the website at www.nychamberpsir.org. All right, welcome back from break. Uh, once again, welcome to Keep Rising Podcast, powered by Project Still Arise. Once again, I'm your host with our guest speaker today, Mr. Stephen Poole, and we're talking about how to support and advocate for student success. Um, let's jump right into it, Mr. Stephen, uh, Mr. Stephen Poole. Uh, for a parent that has never been involved with advocating but wants to get involved with their child's school, uh, what should they do first? First thing I think they should do is uh, look at uh, the structure of the PTSA and the site base. A lot of people understand the importance of the site base, which is normally called the SBDM. SBDM is like an advisory committee that advises the principal on different decisions he may need to make on operations, on budget, um, on different activities, uh, things that directly affect their child in school. Um, The reason why that's important is because he'll bring the data of where he is, um, the things that he needs to, to focus on to the meeting, and that committee will be broken down into subcommittees. And they each have components that they will address and find out, you know, based on research and based on conversation, what may work best for their students in their community. So when you do something like that, you know, at that point, you have hands on with the principal and the leadership in that area and that school um, as to what direction the school is going. Uh, The PTSA is also important because they work um, in conjunction with the school. They're not a part of the school, but in conjunction with the school to bring in funds, to bring in activities, to bring in um, things to help support the school and administrator and or all of the other auxiliaries um, that may need to be brought in that may not be covered by the district. So those things, those two main things right there will actually put you in a position to be fully invested in the school. The other thing I tell parents once again is look at the TEA website and pull up the taper report. If you don't understand how to read it, what you do is um, find an educator that you know. Most of them have to read it because there's data that's on there that they go over. And it's self-explanatory. And it gives you the years and years of information, um, which will help you, you know, kind of understand the direction that the school has gone based on the leadership that has been there and um, all kinds of data on, you know, the trajectory on different uh, cultures or uh, ethnic makeups. So, and um, how, how important is communication with your child's school and, and the teacher? 
Well, especially during the COVID timeframe and what we thought was a technologically advanced community um, or world, um, there are a lot of ways that we need to communicate. I I tell parents, you know, hey, sending an email is one way. Uh, Making a phone call is another. Sometimes you may need to go to the school and volunteer so that the principal can see you and the teachers can see you as well. Um, The same way it needs to be reciprocated from the school Communication is beyond important because a lot of times our kids fall between the cracks simply because there was a lack of communication, be it from the teachers, the school, or from the te- from the parents responding to information that was sent out. If you don't communicate, there are a lot of things you can lose out on. If you're a senior, there may be scholarships available. If you're an underclassman, there may be activities or grading situations that may need to be addressed. And that could be good or bad. You know, so... The, the need to be in total communication with one another and moving in sync is totally important. Definitely. I think should always be in, in communication with the, the school and teacher because, like, I mean, you, your kid's already there for about eight hours a day, so you need to right. you need to know, like, what's what's going on, making sure they, they're being taught the right way and making sure that everything that they're getting is going to be worthwhile for their for making the best out of their future. Uh, we see that the impact of COVID-19 with student achievement, uh, what should we be advocating for as a, as a whole? Well, for all kids, there should be what they, what the state did put in place is called SLR funds that's supposed to undergird or support the schools when it comes to the deficit of the learning process or the learning curve or understanding for students that have been out of school um, for a more of a, I guess you would say, uh, lamest term of saying it, out of school for a year to two years. Yeah. Um, those funds should help um, with tutorials, for uh, materials, all, all types of things. But the thing is, we also need to look at uh, parents have to realize that there has to be full engagement on their half, on their behalf as well. Yeah. Um, when we were younger, you know, as kids myself, our parents used to sit at the table with us and read, you know, or, or listen to us read. Well, because there's a deficit in our learning right now, it's important that these parents understand that process needs to be put back in place. It's not just on the school or on the teachers. Parents have to do their part as well because. All of our kids are behind one way or another, be it emotional, social, be it academic. There has to be all hands on deck with this. So with the school getting the funds that they needed, with the school implementing the tutorial programs and any other support that they need, and with the parents being involved at home, supporting what it is that the school is saying needs to be done, those things have to be done consistently and together in order for our kids to be successful coming out of this COVID situation. It's like a, it's like a blessing and a curse, you might say, uh, with COVID, because like, you know, it, it gave us a time to you know sit down, and, and and give us the you know, the outside view of everything and see what's really going on, and uh, kind of just be able to reset ourselves. But now, we're in the thick of everything, and it and it's absolutely so. It's just time to you know, dig in deeper and just really find what what needs to be fixed, just like you said, with everything, as far as emotionally, socially, uh, academically, and even physically, just everything just needs to be reset and refocused and moving forward. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, any more, anything else that you wanted to, you know, any more key tips that you wanted to give to parents or any students just moving forward? Uh, any just like golden nuggets that you want to share with them? It's not really a golden nugget. It's just what I consider common sense. Yeah. It's important for everybody to be involved mm-hmm. um, from the community leadership to the parents, to your uh, trustees, to the school employees Everybody right now has to be hands-on. I understand everybody's exhausted. For whatever reason, like you said, it was a time to reset, but it seems like when we reset, but then we had to come back to work, we felt more tired or drained than we did when we were at home. But at this point, when it comes to the kids, everybody has to be on their A game because we're looking at a generation that may be lost educationally if we don't all come together and do our part to ensure that they get what they deserve. Um, That's about the best I can say. You know, you just have to get in full gear, tired or not, push forward. Yeah, because I don't think some parents don't realize how easy it it is for uh, us kids to access the the answers online. Correct. (laughs) So we we need to be all hands on day, just like you said. Once again, y'all, Mr. Stephen Poole, uh, great, great conversation that we had today. Thank y'all for tuning in on the Keep Rising podcast, powered by Project Still Arise, talking about how to support and advocate for student success. Remember to follow us on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, and Instagram at Project Still Arise. And once again, I'm your host, and uh, we see y'all next time. Thank y'all. We hope you enjoyed listening to this segment of Keep Rising with Project Still Our Rise. Please stay connected with us by visiting our website at www.psir.org. We look forward to you joining us next week. And remember, whatever you do, keep rising.